This is Hammond. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. And while you are here, may I suggest um, I have a new uh, newsletter that I started. It's at oh. friendly. I know I'm fancy. It's com, And it's basically a roundup of a lot of the news. It is a few times a week. But if you're interested, there's a link in the show notes. But it's friendlyatheist.substack. Friendlyatheist.substack.com. Sign up. It's free. Um, at least until we decide it's not. Who knows? I but just I, signed up just oops, as you man. should. As you should. Um, that's it. So since we talked last time, um, about a day after we found out uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, and I would love to hear what you have to th- say about that, because I'm sure there's nothing that's been pent up for like a week. Oh, man. So first and foremost, I, I, I think I told everybody I was going on a little weekend trip with, with my husband and my dog, so that was a rough start to a vacation that we were very much looking forward to. However, Southern Illinois is really lovely and great. And I'd recommend it. Um, So first of all, thank you. A lot of people reached out to me. A lot of listeners reached out to me just to to see how I was doing, which I, I really appreciated because it was, it was, yeah, it was rough. So I did want to talk a little bit about sort of her legacy. I, I think, I think we, collectively as a culture have sort of gotten caught up in sort of the notorious RBG of it all. And, um, you know, if you've read her, her descents and things like that, you understand that she's like a very blistering writer. Um, but all of that is to say that in addition to being this incredible writer and this incredible force on the bench, um, her legacy live is going to live on hopefully for a long time because uh, I, I found a kind of compiled list of things that um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is responsible for. Uh, so if you are a woman, because of her, you can obtain a mortgage without a male cosigner, open a checking account without a male cosigner. Start actually, all of these are without male male cosigners. So you can start a business, get a credit card obtain a business loan. Um, You can obtain a job without gender-based discrimination. You can um, stay employed or get employed while pregnant. You can get birth control without your husband's permission. Um, You don't have to provide proof of sterilization to obtain or retain employment. Um, You can get pension benefits that are equal to your male coworkers and equal consideration to be executors of their children's estate. And she, um, she went to the mat for a lot of gender equality stuff that didn't end at women's rights. She, um, there was a, a man whose wife died and because he was the, he was a stay at home dad. She was the worker after she died, he wasn't qualified to get what a widow would get because he was a widower um, because he was a man and he was expected to be in charge of the income. Um, and she fought to make sure that no matter who you are, you get um, 
you get your your benefits um no matter what gender you are uh this uh, this was a really 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 tough blow um not just personally of losing somebody i i deeply admire and who is still doing a lot of good um but it honestly right now i am kind of in full blown like November 2016 panic mode. I have been throwing money at Planned Parenthood. I've been throwing money at the ACLU because thankfully I'm in a position right now that I can do that. Um, I'm going to be honest. I'm I'm really scared um, because I don't know what comes next. I don't. I mean, when I got the push alert that Mitt Romney was like, yeah, we'll definitely push somebody through before the election. I like my heart fell to my feet. I I mean, if you were counting on a Republican to save you, that's never a good sign right now. Which, yeah, <laughs> of course. Like, that- and Mitt Romney voted for Donald Trump's impeachment when his vote did not make a difference. Right. Because he knew he wasn't going to get impeached. And he voted for the automatic next nominee who we'll talk about when his vote will make a difference. Like, don't give him credit that he doesn't deserve there. Right. And he I wasn't the hero you were looking for. Yeah, I um I am going to say that it is good that I had some optimism left in me that I thought maybe Mitt Romney would do the right thing because that means I haven't been completely broken by the last four years and immediately thought everybody was just going to fuck everybody over. Um, I'm truly scared. Um, I don't have, I'm sorry. I don't, oh God, um, I'm sorry. I don't have words of comfort. I don't know what comes next. I, I don't know what happens if, if Trump replaces RBG with this fucking handmaid's tale bitch. Like, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm I'm scared, but I'm also gearing up for a fight. Um, uh, so as someone with no emotions, um, I'll get... Let me talk about some of the stuff that was crossing my mind in addition to everything you said, which... Okay, I'm uh, going to mute my microphone so I can just silently cry with some dignity. Sounds good. A um, couple things to keep in mind about RBG. So when it comes to church-state separation cases... She was actually not the the pivotal vote because those were, at least as the past few years, those were not the 5-4 cases. Uh, we've had a case recently that involved like a giant Christian cross on public property. That was a 7-2 to vote. Like, so one judge flipping isn't changing that. The downside is she was one of those two judges that was like, church-state separation is good. That's what we're losing. We're down to like one strong church-state separation person on the court, even though there are technically three liberals. But yeah, this is what we're facing. It's now like a 5-3 conservative court. It's about to be a 6-3 conservative court. Um, And by the way, I have used this phrasing, so I want to correct myself and correct any of you listening. Here's what Democrats should do. Let's say they win the presidency and the Senate, which that's where my hope is. Like, that is within the realm of possibility. Don't say, don't say they should pack the courts because that's easy for conservatives to jump on. No, you want to balance the courts. You want to fix 
the courts. That's the phrasing you want to use here. And keep in mind for anyone who's like, well, you can't you can't mess with the norms. You can't do any of that. Remember that when Merrick Garland was nominated and Republicans blocked him, Republicans were choosing to have an eight-member court. They changed the number of justices on the court to suit their needs. And remember, like Ted Cruz and many others said, if Hillary Clinton won the 2016 election, they were not going to nominate any of her. I'm sorry, they weren't going to confirm any of her nominations. They said that. So they were planning to change the number of Supreme Court justices to eight and then just get lower and lower as it would have happened. Um, That's what they were planning on doing. So don't let them say like, well, Democrats want to expand the court beyond recognition. That's breaking tradition. No, no, no. That's already been happening. So let's fix it. That is within the realm of possibility. The one silver lining to all this is I think in the past few years, when Republicans have just uh, broken the system to their own advantage, um, messed with what if Democrats did what Republicans are doing now, Republicans would have a shit fit about it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's radicalized a whole bunch of moderate Democrats, uh, not enough, not all of them, but enough of them where it's like, yeah, should we have like just 11 people on the Supreme Court and just mm-hmm. have a or hopefully President Joe Biden nominate like three people, five people, seven, whatever? Um, is that an arms race that will never end? Could be, whatever. It's what Mitch McConnell would do if he thought he could get away with it. So I'm fine with that as an option. So to your point about he's going to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg with her polar opposite ideologically, yeah, that's going to happen. The way to respond is by undoing that, by adding more people to the bench. That's one way to fix it. Um, Sure, you could do term limits, you could do whatever law you want to put in there. But for now, Expand the court. There's nothing stopping Democrats from doing that other than uh, willingness to play hardball with it. One other thing to keep in mind, this is what has worried me for a while. Stephen Breyer, one of the other of the three liberals, he's 82. He's not exactly young. Mm -hmm. Um, No one talks about his health at all because he hasn't had the health scares that RBG had. But he's going to be leaving. on his own desires or not very soon. The one actually that I was surprised to see is that Clarence Thomas, who I forgot his age, maybe you can look it up really quick. He could have retired right now and been replaced by like a 20-year-old version of him. And he chose not to. He is making the same mistake that people are accusing RBG of making uh, in like 2008, they said you should have retired while Obama had like a filibuster proof Senate mm-hmm. could have done it. You could have been replaced then. And people got mad that she didn't do it because she felt she was in good health. She felt she had a lot to contribute, which she did. She mm-hmm. thought she could be replaced by Hillary Clinton and then she could have retired. That didn't happen. She miscalculated. But Clarence Thomas is making the same mistake right now. That's a flip that could now happen because it doesn't look like he's leaving. I don't know. Maybe if Trump loses, uh, he'll retire magically on like November 5th and then Republicans will replace him in a heartbeat. I wouldn't put it past them. But keep that in mind. Like uh, those are a couple. The whole court is a stupid way of doing everything. Mm -hmm. I do want to talk about her apparent replacement. Uh, It's Friday morning as we tape this. Trump says he's going to announce his nominee on Saturday afternoon. Um, Late Saturday afternoon. Thomas is 72 years old. So he's not not fully old, but like uh, if 
you're expecting like eight years under Democrats or something like what's he he could have retired right now with Republicans pushing him through. And again, forget the presidency, even if Democrats regain control of the Senate, like Clarence Thomas is assuming Republicans will be in power for a long time. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Um, Let's talk about the apparent replacement for RBG, at least on paper. This is what everyone seems to be saying. It's Amy Coney Barrett, who was uh, on the short list when Brett Kavanaugh was selected and she wasn't picked. And the reason people are kind of uh, pointing at her is because she's made it very clear in her writing that she opposes uh, women's rights. She opposes abortion rights. She is a conservative Catholic who has the Federalist Society stamp of approval. She's 48, which means she'll be around forever. Um, and which is why they want to replace her with that. She worked for Antonin Scalia uh, before Trump nominated her to the Seventh Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals in 2017. And basically, since that time, and I wanted to quote this because it was just a it was a punch to the gut. This is from Mark Joseph Stern at Slate. We now have at least three years of her writing for the appellate court where like, this isn't hypothetical anymore. This is what she's done. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read this paragraph. Barrett always seems to choose the harsher, stingier interpretation faced with two plausible readings of a law. So can job applicants sue employers whose policies have a disproportionately deleterious impact on older people? Barrett said no. Should courts halt the deportation of an immigrant who faced torture at home? Barrett said no. Should courts halt the, um, I'm sure, should they protect refugees denied asylum on the basis of xenophobic prejudice? Barrett said no. Should they shield prisoners from unjustified violence by correctional officers? Barrett said no. Should minors be allowed to terminate a pregnancy without telling their parents if a judge has found they're mature enough to make the decision? Barrett said no. And should women be permitted to obtain an abortion upon discovering a severe fetal abnormality? Barrett said no. Those are decision. Those are not hypothetical. That's stuff she has now voted. That's why they want her. They want her on the court so she can make sure women are punished. Uh, people are pointing to her writing that she did when she worked at Notre Dame as, I believe, a law professor when she was a law student. Also, and fuck Notre Dame. That too. And like, <laughs> she wrote a lot of weird, messed up stuff. But again, there's a difference between writing a hypothetical law review article where you are like, here's what the law could do. Here's how judges could act versus now she's been on the bench for three years. We have a paper trail. It's not good. Point to that. That's a more powerful indicator of what she's actually going to do on the court. And of course, the like X factor to all of this, barring some other weird scandal no one knows about, is that she belongs to a sect that's not affiliated with the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. but it is a sect called People of Praise. Um, you mentioned the word handmade, and I want to clarify this. This is a group that refers to men as heads and women as handmaids. They actually mean that in a good way. It's a reference to a Bible verse, like the handmaid's tale and the way we think of the word now, which is not a good term, that actually came out several years later, kind of like the book the book's popularity co-opted that word and made it sound bad. So it's I think it's unfair to attack her for being part of the handmade cult when that's not how they mean it. But also, like, I go back to this. 
I don't care about her weird religious beliefs because guess what? Everyone on the damn court has weird religious beliefs. Most of them are Roman Catholic. They think a communion wafer is Jesus, like not metaphorically. It's all weird. It doesn't it doesn't matter that much, though. And it like the thing everyone conservatives especially are latching on to is when Dianne Feinstein, a senator from California, a Democrat, said during her confirmation hearing to the appellate court, like the dogma lives loud. What did she say? The dogma lives loudly within you, which is a reference to saying she uses her religious beliefs to guide her decision-making, which is a legitimate complaint. But she said a stupid thing that could be taken out of context and used as sound bites, which it totally has been. The question that I think is legitimate is, how is her faith going to guide her policies? Because she has said, Catholics are against the death penalty. So what happens if a Catholic judge faces a death penalty case? Um, If the church opposes capital punishment, but the law allows for it, what should a Catholic judge do? And she basically said, you got to follow your religion and not the law, which is a frightening thing, which deserves to be questioned. That's Mm -hmm. the thing Democratic senators ought to push on. It's not about her, quote unquote, weird religious beliefs. Again, you could play that game with everyone. And that's the bait they want you to pick. Like, that's part of the reason they like Amy Coney Barrett, not just because she's anti-woman, not just because she's anti-abortion, but because she's so openly religious, or at least enough is known about her religion, that if anyone dares to bring it up, conservatives are going to be like, persecution, why would you yell at her about her religion? Why do you hate God? Like, that's the game they want to play. And you don't have to fall for that. Democratic senators don't have to fall for it because there's plenty in her record to challenge and legitimate questions that you could phrase well about how your beliefs that you're bringing from outside the law are going to impact your decisions in the law. So, I mean, I hope they're careful about it. Will the confirmation hearings mean anything? No. Will they even have confirmation hearings? Not really. This isn't going to be like a formal thing. They're just trying to jam her through as quickly as possible before the election so Donald Trump can have like one more campaign ad. Um, But yeah, it would be disturbing if she got on the court. It looks like she is going to be on the court. But the court's the problem. It's not just her. If it's not Amy Coney Barrett, it'll be somebody else. The answer to that is if Democrats can get their shit together, win the election, win the Senate, uh, you got to balance it out. You got to respond uh, you got to respond in a way Mitch McConnell would if he could get away with it. Get rid of the filibuster. Expand the courts. Expand the lower courts because mm-hmm. Trump has packed those as well. And I think all of that is important. And I kind of hate that Ruth Bader Ginsburg legacy is tied into what happens over the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. But also that was pretty much always going to happen. The thing that I think pissed me off more than anything is her dying wish that she dictated to her granddaughter was, I'm paraphrasing here, you might uh, know it, like, don't let the next, what'd she say? Her final words to her granddaughter, my most fervent wish is that I will not be replaced until a new president is installed. And know that it's more of a honor system, like, Will anyone have to listen to that? No. Are Republicans going to take that seriously? Of course not. Um, But I hate that like her final thought was not, I'm glad I could help (laughs) women. Let me just die peacefully. Like her final months were, I have to stay alive because democracy rests on my 87-year-old shoulders. Yeah. And 
I've seen a few interpretations of like maybe one woman's death throwing everybody's physical rights into jeopardy maybe means we don't have a super great system in the first place. Yeah. I I just Oh no, man! Every piece of this all is the more reason for, for liberals who are like Biden's too centrist for me. I'm not going to vote, or I'm going to vote third party. Like again, we've said this before. It's not about him. He's one dude. You are voting for the Supreme Court. You are voting for senators. You are voting for policies that could make a serious difference in other people's lives. I can't remember if I said this on the podcast or not, but like, I want him to win. I want Biden to win. Of course, I do. But honestly, I am at the point where I'm kind of insulated from the big like federal government decisions. One policy change probably won't impact my life that mm-hmm. much. However, I am voting because not everyone has that luxury. Other mm-hmm. people need Biden to win, not just for their mental health, but their physical health, their ability to access insurance, things like that. Like, how selfish do you have to be to say, well, my ideal candidate isn't on the ballot, so I'm going to sit this out until Democrats learn a lesson. Meanwhile, how many people have to die because you're too fucking selfish to figure this out? Yeah, I... Uh... I I keep getting roped into these terrible Facebook arguments about people who try to tell me that Joe Biden is as bad as, as Trump. And I just, I don't have time for this bullshit right now. I don't know if it's the fact that I am older or the fact that I am cynical or the fact that I'm extremely angry and scared, but any person like, listen, I get that Joe Biden made questionable decisions R.E. Clarence Thomas, (laughs) like R.E. just everything. I get it. And I am not like, I am not here to tell you that I think Joe Biden is the end all be all. What I will tell you is that I think he was a, a, he won the fucking, you know, he won the votes. He won the primary. He won the primary. B, it's a savvy choice because guess what? People like my dad who are lifelong Republicans are now phone banking for him. Um, you think he was? Gonna, you think? A, do you think a w- old white guy is going to phone bang for fucking Bernie Sanders? It wasn't going to happen. Like I think it was a savvy choice. I I uh, heard someone saying this is a right wing uh, conservative pundit basically saying you got to vote for someone like you would uh, select a husband or boyfriend. Go with the strong alpha male type, which is Trump. It was a stupid what? argument. What? Yeah, that's a separate issue. But I do want to say that like. The biggest problem I have with that argument is no, because if you're selecting a romantic partner, you shouldn't settle. I mean, God, I hope you're not settling. But when you're choosing a president, they're never going to be perfect. You do have to pick the best available option to get closer to what you actually want. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to point out a, a couple quick things. Things that Democratic senators should ask Barrett or whoever is the nominee. We want to know what her positions are on abortion, which the Catholic Church opposes, and same-sex marriage, which the Church opposes, and birth control, which the Church opposes. There is There are questions coming to the court about whether you should have religious exemptions under the law when it comes to health care or discrimination, and if taxpayers should fund religious activity, and if religious freedom applies to everybody, and if public school officials can sponsor prayers. Those are questions the courts could be facing, and it's worth 
knowing what a judge may say about that when the Catholic Church has very strong opinions on all those things. And I do want to address this because you're going to hear this a lot, especially if Barrett is the nominee. The argument that Democrats have some sort of anti-Catholic bias, which is wildly dumb. Um, I want to let me quickly go through this. The 2020 Democratic presidential candidate, Biden, Mm -hmm. is Catholic. The 2016 vice presidential candidate, Tim Kaine, was Catholic. The 2012 VP, Biden, was Catholic. The 2008 VP, Biden, was Catholic. The 2004 presidential candidate, John Kerry, was Catholic. The Speaker of the House right now, Pelosi, is Catholic. The head of the Democratic National Committee, Tom Perez, is Catholic. Obama's first Supreme Court pick, Sonia Sotomayor, was Catholic. Obama's cabinet included uh, Tom Perez, John Kerry, Hilda Solis, Julian Castro. They were Catholic. Of the 235 House Democrats who were elected in 2018, 87 of them, more than a third, were Catholic. 60% of all the Catholics in Congress are Democrats. And of course, the only Catholic president in history, John F. Kennedy, was a Democrat. This is, they are not anti-Catholic. They are against religion dictating what you do when you have power. That mm-hmm. is a legitimate gripe to bring up and point out. Mm-hmm. And it is not anti-Catholic to question any judges uh, where they're getting their decisions from, where they're basing their decisions from. The answer is easy to say. Just say like, I don't care what the Catholic Church says. Those are my private beliefs. That is what I hold true to. Mm -hmm. My question is how I'm going to apply the law. Like it would be easy to script an answer that would at least get through a confirmation hearing. Mm -hmm. And yet you're going to hear conservatives say Democrats are anti-Catholic repeatedly. Don't believe it. They are liars. Yeah, don't fucking fall for it, man. Like that's the problem is they are so loud and so persistent that it, I mean, it, you're, it, it's literally what gaslighting is. You know what I mean? Like you're, they're going to tell us that we are anti-Catholic when it's our fucking presidential nominee right this very second is Catholic. Like that is an absurd yeah. thing to say. Of course, he's not really Catholic because he supports abortion rights, which again is their excuse. And by their logic, like 48% of U.S. Catholics aren't really Catholics. Like, yeah. that's the question. Oh, so I guess no Catholics. Half the Catholics in the country, Republicans believe, are oh, just Catholics no in name only. No true all over the place. Yes, exactly. Also, to hearken back to that first thing you said about the the handmaidens in their thing, the biblical. I just did a little research while you were talking about her. I mean, a handmaiden or a handmaid is always a personal maid or a female servant in the Bible. It's it's applied in the Hebrew Bible, the term handmaid is applied to a female servant who serves her mitri- her mistress. Uh, I want to know the verse they got it from because I think when I read the verse, the Bible verse that they took the word from, it was one of those innocuous like be the handmaid to God. You are a servant of mm-hmm. God, which is a metaphorical thing that sounds weird on paper. But if you ask Christians, it's like, no, it just means worship. Like, whatever. Yeah. It's relatively innocuous. Yeah. So I this, don't know. This is, I mean, it's obvious. It's Wikipedia because I didn't have time to do like a deep dive into this. But um, yeah, uh, Hagar, Hagar is, be, is described as Sar- Sari's handmaid. 
Zilpa is Leah's handmaid. Billa is Rachel's handmaid. Each They're of these slaves. Cases, They're servants. Yeah. That's, each uh, of these cases, the mistress, quote, gave their handmaid to their husbands to bear his seed. I don't know. It seems to be pretty... Uh, it's messed up in the Bible. I just did those for the YouTube channel. And those are the ones where they're like, I want babies. Oh, I'm barren. I can't have babies. Slave, come here. Husband, yeah. do my slave bear a child. And it's the most messed up stuff in Genesis. Do you want to talk about something totally different to get off of this? Yeah, I'm going to keep reading about Handmaid. See if I can find that ver- uh, verse Sounds for you. Good. Um, I want to I want to go local for a second because this is a... Uh, election that outside the district, no one would be paying attention to, but it's the, it's just messed up. So in Illinois, it's the district that includes like Wheaton College, the evangelical school, as you would imagine, like conservative Christian haven here. But that district- I love looking on Wheaton. I'm very excited about this. Oh, just wait. Their current representative, state representative, her name is Amy Grant, like the singer, but not the singer. Um, But her name is state representative Amy Grant. She's a Republican. She is Catholic, I believe. And she represents this conservative religious district. Fine. Um, she was elected in 2018 by the, like a very slim margin, 52% of the votes. And she has a really tough progressive challenger this year, Ken Mejia Beal. And I think she's flustered by him because he's good as, as a politician. He's a good campaigner. And I guess she was making a call to a possible donor last month. And the donor said he was recording the call, but, uh, they were asked, he was asking questions about like, what are you going to do? Why is, why should I vote for you or whatever? And she said, I'm going to quote this. I should say, uh, Ken, her opponent, uh, is African-American. He's also gay. Um, she is very much not. And she said, he's just gonna, he's just another one of those Cook County people, Cook County being the County Chicago is in. He's another one of the Cook County people. That's all you're going to vote for is Cook County. Another, you know, black caucus. That's all we need is another person in the black caucus, unquote. That's on tape. And then she says... Well, I think he's afraid to come into the district, actually, into the heart of the district anyhow. And the caller says, why? Why do you think that? Why do you think he's afraid? I'm just curious. And she says, I just think that maybe he's afraid of the reaction people might give him, not because he's black, but because of the way he talks. He's all LGBTQ. He wants he wants to work for the chronically ill what a he just dick. Gives, he just gives us like crazy, and every week it's a different reason for why he wants to get into the race. So if I have her right, people might he might not want to come to their district because he's gay and what's uh, her name because again? Amy Grant he wants to help chronically ill people, and you know no one in her district wants to do that, and also he's black, and you know. They don't need another person like that in office. She said all of this like out loud to a stranger who she was trying to hit up for money. And then later when she was confronted with it, she didn't deny any of this. She basically, I'm going to quote this. Her statement was, these comments do not reflect my heart or my faith. Uh, but it reflects the words that you said out loud. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, oh, so what does that mean? That means you're lying to callers when you call them up for money? Like, that's the only way to get away from that. But we have it on tape. It's there. 
Like, what are you doing? Um, I should, I should say the um, the Daily Herald, a local paper serving the suburbs of Chicago, literally endorsed her two days before this went public. Did and they rescind it? They did not rescind it. I don't really? know if they do rescindings like that. But I was reading their endorsement, and it's basically like. Well, she's been a check on the Democrats in Illinois because Democrats in Illinois have a majority, if not a supermajority right now. But mm-hmm. uh, they basically said this other guy, Ken, yeah, he needs more uh, more on his resume. He needs more time in elected office. Like, it's the dumbest argument. You shouldn't run for office because you haven't been in office. Before. Yeah. Like. But meanwhile, she has horrible ideas and horrible beliefs. And they're like, well, she has experience. I guess we should go with her. Like, it's everything wrong with local newspaper endorsements mm-hmm. and politicians. <laughs> but anyway, she. my favorite thing, last part to finish this off, the Daily Herald did get her on the phone to speak with their editorial board after this went public. And she had to read an apology. Like, literally, it's a Zoom call with, like, a bunch of Brady Bunch-looking screen. And she's staring at a piece of paper. I made a very clumsy and insensitive statement that does not reflect how I feel, dot, dot, dot. My faith is part of my daily life. And hearing those words calling me racist, speaking of other people, rocks me to my core because that's not who I am. And as we all know, you're only a racist if you stand outside with the KKK hood on and say, I am racist. That's it. No one Even else. Can then, we have to see this in shades of gray. Um, it's interesting because the Daily Herald also uh, endorsed Lauren Underwood, who um, that over one of the overweights centrist Democrat who uh flipped a red seat in the 2018 she sure election did and i knocked doors for her and met her yeah. she's dope as fuck um she uh yeah yeah uh, well, i mean she's also is are a not yeah. great chicago she's family up against a billionaire republican or i don't know if he's a billionaire but a very rich republican who has lost every campaign oh, he's yeah. run in illinois Wait, is sucks and his ice cream sucks is Overweiss national or is it just a Chicago thing? Um, I don't know how far they expand. Okay, if you don't know or if you're not American or whatever, Overweiss is like the dairy brand in the Chicagoland area. Like when when people used to get milk delivered, it was always in those like my rich friends had like Overweiss bottles of milk in their fridge, and they listen. Their ice cream Weird is thing extremely is- good, but the family are monsters. He's running on a campaign of like, Trump isn't awful, and it just doesn't fly in this part, no. of the, this part of the state. Like, he's running in the wrong part of Illinois to run on that platform of, Trump isn't the worst, vote for yeah, me. Yeah, I mean, the... Um, Underwood's campaign, by the way, her campaign commercials are like, I got laws passed that Donald Trump signed into law, meaning... Uh-huh. I'm a centrist who can get shit done with the other side. That's why you should vote for me. She's not like the squad. She's very much like, no, I'm just here in the middle to get things done. That's why she's not even in a toss-up district, I don't think, right now. Yeah, um, I actually thought it was a toss-up. But anyway, I don't want to like get too hung up on local politics. But but yeah, like the she's in the 14th district, which which is like Thank you. Thanks to gerrymandering, a truly wild district. Like it literally goes from Wisconsin down to like fucking Kenosha or something crazy (laughs) like that. Um, But uh, I don't remember. what. Oh, yeah. It's there are definitely places as you get 
further away from the cities that that flies. I will say driving down um, I-55. Yeah, Southern Illinois, I was going to say. Oh, right? boy. We passed a farm or something, and there were shrimp signs, like, in the trees. It was truly one of the wildest things, and it made for a very stressful ride. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's what happens as you go Southern, Southern, Southern Illinois. Yeah, a man, a really, like, cheery old man held a door for me, and he was wearing a 2020 hat, and I just, like, didn't, I, like, froze like a, <laughs> like a fucking possum, like, ah, ah. You did something nice, but you're a horrible person. <laughs> what do I do? What do I do? Thank you, yep. I guess. I didn't want to touch this gross door of this, <laughs> this gas station. <laughs> Uh, speaking of racism yeah let's talk about this okay on saturday last saturday in north carolina there was a trump rally it happens they're going on in places and one of the people who spoke at the alamance county trump rally was a preacher named jesse hersey and he kind of gave the spiel that a lot of politicians would give if they were running for office, which he is not doing. But he said the thing like, I'm a Christian first and I'm a Republican second. Okay. And everyone in the crowd claps because you know your priorities, right? And he's encouraging the quote, silent majority, which is racist who don't want to say it out loud to vote for Donald Trump. Okay, whatever. That's what I expect from a Trump rally, right? After the rally ends, they did one of those things that it's pretty much like a stereotype of the South where everyone got in their pickup trucks and did a like drove around with their Trump signs and flags honking their horns, telling people to vote for Trump. Cool. And so everyone's doing this pickup truck parade of sorts and there are people catching it on camera. And one of the people who was videotaping the, the parade of cars happened to record a black pickup truck, which Jesse Hersey, the pet preacher was driving Whoops. and he yells out. I mean, you could tell it's him because he was wearing a hat during the rally and that hat was on his dashboard. You could see it. Uh-huh. Uh, there was an orange sweater, which was connected to him as well. Like you could see it's him. There's no mm-hmm. doubt it was him. And then this preacher, as he's driving, puts his head out the window, cups his hand over his mouth to like amplify what he's about mm-hmm. to say, then screams out, white power <gasps> no oh yes y'all are saying the quiet part out loud again yep and so the young republicans of alamance county who organized the rally they're like uh we have nothing to do with that guy he's been removed from our organization um the Oops. organization said we oppose racism but mm-hmm. they would not elaborate mm-hmm. Percy himself who closed down every social media profile he had <laughs> Said he denied any forms of racism and then disappeared. (laughs) Like, okay, sure. Um, Uh, I am obsessed with it. Like, genuinely, my favorite. You don't get to decide if you're racist. We get to decide if you're racist. Genuinely, my favorite subtext of the Republican Party is like, I'm not racist. I just think white people are better and deserve more. Like, how is Uh that racist of me? Like, it's, it's called patriotism. Right. And it's honestly like the thing that will haunt me for the rest of my days is how we as a society have somehow decided it is worse to be called a racist than <laughs> to be one. a racist. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. This is 
wild stuff. Weird wild stuff. One last local Republican story for you because it's religion-based too. This is from the Republican Party of Taylor County in Wisconsin, which is a conservative area. Uh Um, They put up an ad in a local paper that never really would have seen the light of day uh, outside their community, if not for a guy who wrote a letter to the local newspaper who questioned an ad that was placed in the local newspaper. And this ad, I found the ad, and what the ad says, it's, again, it's paid for by the Taylor County Republican Party, Mm -hmm. and it urges people to vote for Trump and Pence. Okay, fine, that's what I expect in their ads. And the way they did it, they said, what are you for? Here's what Biden stands for. Here's what Trump stands for. Under the Trump list, they say things like against abortion, capitalism, Christianity, small government, pro-gun, lower taxes, legal immigration, whatever. We can parse through that because a lot of that is BS anyway. But okay, there's your list. On the Biden side, pro-abortion, socialism, big government, anti-gun. Okay, okay, you get the idea. Yep, yep, yep. Standard Fox News style rhetoric. But they did this like Biden is pro-abortion, Trump is against abortion. Biden is socialism, Trump is capitalism. But check this out. They said Trump is Christianity. What do you think they said for Biden? Ooh, um, I, like I want to say it's going to be atheist, but I, I'm going to take a swing and say pagan. They actually went with, and I'm quoting, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> No one knows, I guess. No one knows what he is or what he stands for, even though I feel like I've been hit over the head from Biden when it comes to Catholicism and the fact that he is religious and the fact that... (laughs) I'm telling telling Mikey because he heard me laughing so hard. You keep doing that. So I reached out to the Republican Party and I'm like, I would like more explanation on your question mark ad. You are not muted. Everyone hears you telling this story. <laughs> you are not muted. I hear everything you're saying right now. So as this is happening, I asked them, okay, explain the question mark thing to me. And what they said to me is, um, uh, I want to make sure I get their exact words down. Biden may be Catholic, but his position on abortion is in direct conflict with the Catholic faith. Unquote. And again, I go back to half the Catholics in the U.S., by their definition, aren't really Catholics because they support abortion rights in at least some circumstances. And by the way, if we held Trump to any kind of Christian standard, he would fail that test, too. Like whatever way you want to say Trump is like pro-Christianity, like just be honest about what you're saying and just say you just want Christians to be able to discriminate and religious freedom only applies to Christians and we want a Christian theocracy. Just yeah. say that. Yeah. Don't say Christianity with question marks. Yeah, that's pretty good. Also, if my mute button doesn't work, I apologize because y'all have heard me blow my nose so many times on my... Oh, yeah. No, I kept track. I'm on tally mark six. Oh, shit. I, it yeah, it's does, okay. It's a thing that says microphone off. I figured it turned my fucking microphone off. No, I think you just stopped us from recording. Um, I'm I'm going to change gears for a second because I wanted to discuss this. I wanted to get your take on this. Um, There is a Christian writer. uh, Her name is D as in dog, L as in uh, Lucy, D.L. Mayfield. 
She goes by the initials, but she wrote an article for Religion News Service that basically said she's always been an evangelical Christian. She's white. She's a white evangelical. Mm -hmm. And she didn't, she's not a fan of Trump. And when, when uh, Trump's victory was in large part attributed to like 81% of white evangelicals who voted voting for him, she's like, well, he doesn't represent me. But also I want to, it's my label. You can't take that from me. And I want to stay in the fold and I want to help change evangelical Christianity from the inside, which I understand. Like I get that feeling. Mm -hmm. She wrote an article this week basically saying, I can't call myself an evangelical. And she said the tipping point for her was she went to a concert, uh, a Christian concert that was hosted by this preacher named Sean, uh, shoot, I don't know his last name, Fucht, F-E-U-C-H-T. Basically, he's this, a preacher who's goes who's been going around for weeks and months now doing massive outdoor concerts no masks no social distancing and he's basically telling people like who cares the vi- we can beat the virus with Jesus they're all super spreader events and all these people like thousands of people attend these concerts she went only to with a mask to hold up a sign basically calling out their hypocrisy and like we should listen to science that's why she was there But she wrote in the essay, for almost two hours, I was constantly confronted, yelled at, live streamed, prayed over, and told I was not a real Christian. Um, And she says, we read the same Bible. We call ourselves Christians, but we are not singing to the same God. I lost my religion that day in that crowd of worshipers. She's still Christian, by the way, but she said she lost her faith. She says, I can no longer call myself an evangelical because what defines a white evangelical in the United States has become a longing for an authoritarian state where Christianity is prioritized and privileged. So here's my question to you. Um, Oh, I should add one more thing. She said, if I'm being honest with myself, I know I was kicked out of the evangelical world a while ago. I was told I could not write for Christianity Today anymore, the, the magazine, because of my stance on LGBTQIA issues. And she said, I routinely have evangelicals question the state of my salvation because I support Black Lives Matter. So she is now ditching the evangelical label. She's a Christian, but maybe lacks a denomination, lacks a more specific label, which Mm is good for her. I'm glad she figured it out. She's like a step away of saying she's just spiritual. Yeah, pretty much. But she's very much, she's very clear that she is a Christian, she she follows Jesus, all that stuff. My question is, if you are coming to this realization now, mm-hmm. after everything we've been through, after white evangelicals have been connected to this, because, again, it's not like Trump was the first time people ever knew white evangelicals were just awful when it comes to public policy, when it comes to what sort of harm they want to cause other people. Part of me was like, I'm glad you're here now, but also, where the hell have you been? Right. You're not You're not 12 years old. Like, you've been in doing this for a while. You've been interested. You've been cognizant of what's been happening. Right. Like, why is this brand new information to you that white evangelicals, like, they've been anti-gay. They've been uh, promoting right. racism, segregation stuff. You know what white evangelical churches look like. And part of me is like, come on, where have you been this whole time? You, I don't, I don't know how much praise I should give her in my mind for figuring this out like now, when it's like, what? come on, really now? Like I'm glad you're here, and I want to praise you for that because it's never easy to come out like that publicly, much less. Right. But 
Like it's someone saying, well, I guess I'll vote for Biden like today. Like really something happened today that changed your mind. The, the hysterectomies, the refugee separation of families, the racism, the sexism, the pussy grabbing, none of that did it for you. Really? Uh, yes, I get it. I understand why you feel that way. I am. Am I bad for being mad at her for not figuring this out now? Because I'm sure people are listening. I mean, we've gotten emails from people who are listening who are like, I, you know, I've been listening for a while and I, I think I'm kind of where you're at right now. And I'm like, I appreciate that. I'm glad you are willing to take that leap. It's not easy, but also really now. Yeah. So, ugh. I understand your frustration for sure, but I, uh, man, whatever it takes to like build our coalition, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I am because it sounds to you said she was never a fan of Trump. Um, I, yeah, I, I think that came across like ever since he got into the race anyway, and she heard the racist statements he made. She saw the Access Hollywood tape. Like, mm-hmm. she wasn't supportive of him, but her feeling, my interpretation of what she wrote is, her feeling was, I'm still white evangelical. I want to reclaim my label because to me, being an evangelical means good things and I want to promote good things. It's kind of like, look, if, if an atheist turned out to become a mass murderer and did a shooting... Atheist would be a very dirty word for a lot of people, but I could say that's not what it means to me, and I want to reclaim the word. There's nothing wrong with that mentality, but also part of me is like, well, that is what white evangelical Christianity stands for. It's not just about beliefs about Jesus. It's a movement that is political in nature, and how did you not know this until now? Can I posit something, maybe? So... I, I bet a lot of our listeners are people who grew up in a religion and therefore had to, if they are atheists or, or non-religious or whatever, had to leave that. I'm sure that in hindsight, they kind of had moments of like, well, this should have been my tipping point. Or like, I, I think it takes people a long time to come to terms with any major change. And something as big as like, leaving the evangelical church is no small task. But so I applaud her for being able to change her mind and change her views because a lot of people will never do that or even attempt to do that. I like, I'm not going to like bend over back. I'm not going to like, you know, fucking pin medals on her, but uh, yeah, listen, welcome. (laughs) Welcome. to resistance. (laughs) It's fun here. We have cake and Maybe she has an insight that none of us have because she was part of it for so long. There's plenty of people who voted for Trump who who regret it. Um, it's a, it, I guess that's fair. Like it's when I see the Lincoln Project. It's yeah. like you're the. I know you're against Trump. I like your ads, but also you're the people who created this mess. Like I don't know how much I want to like you. I am like. It's September 2020, and I am in the mindset of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Anybody who is anti-Trump, I have room for them in my coalition. Then, you know, once we get Trump out of office, yeah, then we'll discuss things. We'll discuss (laughs) the Lincoln Project. Right. But right now, 
I, I think really like the infighting of of Democrats and liberals and leftists is like making my head go nuts. So yeah, I think that makes me matter. <laughs> the liberals were like Biden's more not angry. enough. He's not liberal enough. Oh, he's Christ. like, oh, come on. It has like it, that is the thing that makes me like scream cry. Whereas Republicans, I'm just like, well, yes, you are delusional you are a white supremacist like i understand what you're doing a leftist who is telling me that biden is no better than trump or whatever or nothing's going to change under biden i don't have time for that bullshit because people are getting hysterectomies forced upon them in concentration camps that's the current climate we're living in so i'm going to go ahead and try to mitigate as much damage as I can. And yeah, I do want Medicare for all. Yes, I do think universal basic income would be great. Yes, I do agree with most of those things. However, I'm trying to look at the map that we have and get to where we're going in the most efficient way possible. And if that means I need to like buddy up with like, I don't know, what's his face? The Conway, George Conway on the Lincoln right, Project. right fucking so be it i have a hard time like taking the people who thought george w bush was the uh, exemplar of republican oh, leadership it's like really i forgot if i told this story on the podcast or not but like when i became politically aware of what's going on to the point where i follow it obsessively uh-huh. like i couldn't vote in the 2000 elections because i was 17 but i could vote in 2004 and i was aware of what was happening by that time And I did an internship that summer of 2004 where I was just surrounded by people who are like, George W. Bush is awful Mm -hmm. and John Kerry isn't like my ideal candidate, but like, God, we need a change right now. And because I was surrounded by that and I was in a bubble, like I really did think, okay, a lot of people feel the same way that he's been really bad. He's been awful. And it wasn't unfortunate. Like it wasn't even a close election that time. Bush won comfortably. And the thing that boggles my mind that I want to make sure I'm not making the same mistake this time around is like, okay, I got to stop living in that bubble where it's like the polls say Biden's doing okay. Everything is awful right now. And people see that. Mm -hmm. And the answer is no, they don't. Like there are way too many people who have no idea what's going on and are not following this stuff regularly which again that's uh, that in itself is not a problem not everyone has to follow this stuff regularly if we had an effective efficient government most people wouldn't have to follow this stuff leave it to the wonks you know um but like i remember just being stunned by that election result in 2004 which i did not see coming Mm -hmm. and now i feel everyone who is in my position is just way more cynical about this stuff. Like, nope, everything that can go wrong will go wrong. Oh, I not assume anything is going to go right. And I think part of that is the uh, going from that race, going from 2004. It's like, don't expect it to work out just because everything is awful. Not everyone feels that way. Not everyone is aware that everything is wrong. I think that this time last, this time four years ago in September 2016, I was not nearly scared enough. Mm-hmm. And like, I am like, obviously that's sort of an unpopular thing to say. Like I'm not fear mongering. What I'm trying to say is like, there's a lot on the line here and we coasted in 2016. People didn't like Hillary enough. People didn't knock doors enough. I didn't do nearly as much as I should have. As people have been pointing out on, um, 
social media and stuff. Trump just said he's not going to commit to a peaceful transition of power if he loses. And that was like on page 15 oh my God. of the New York Times. Like, that wasn't even a story. The thing about the forced hysterectomies was a news split for like three hours. And then we're yeah. like, well, yeah, they're monsters. So, of course, they're doing this bullshit because they're pro-life, question mark. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I... I have I've seen the same polls as you have, Hemet, and I am ignoring them because yeah. whether or not they are accurate doesn't matter. All that matters is I am doing I need I need to wake up on November 4th and say I did fucking everything I could. I'm you know, I'm the uh precinct committee person in my area i am fucking packing voter voter information things going door to door with them like hey neighbor i know you've never met me before i'm the one with the big dumb dog please what's your voting plan do you want to vote together new best friend (laughs) like right it's i'm doing everything i can this time around i am not going to wake up with regrets I, yeah, that's, I think that's a big important thing to point out don't wake up thinking there was more you could have done um do whatever you can now. Don't expect it to work out. Just go all out. At least then it's a different conversation to have afterwards. Yeah. Um, I did want to make sure we covered this because, again, this is one of those we're pushing it to like A15, but it shouldn't be. This should be a bigger deal. Attorney General William Barr was given an award by the National Catholic Prayer Breakfast <gasps> people this week. He was literally given an award uh, and I'm not making this up for his Christ-like behavior. I saw this. Uh-huh. And one of the things he said in his speech is, I'm going to quote this, in American public discourse, perhaps no concept is more misunderstood than the notion of separation of church and state. Oh, good. Militant, militant secularists have long seized on that slogan as a facile justification for attempting to drive religion from the public square, dot, dot, dot. Separation of church and state does not mean and never did mean separation of religion and civics. First of all, what is a militant secularist? I mean, us, I guess. I mean, I don't do guns. I don't know. Like, I mean, I feel like militant secularists are like people with coffees and keyboards. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's militant. Well, militant secular, secular, wow. Can't say that word, I guess. And wine. <laughs> it's, it's only 1050. I've only had one cup of coffee and a slice of coffee. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it, it, it's it's a boogeyman, right? Like, they don't... That's not a thing. But, like, that's and, stupid. And we know it's stupid, and they know it's stupid. Everybody's just, like, fucking talking past each other. Nobody cares about truth it or is, anything anymore. It is disturbing that the attorney general, the top, like, law enforcer, in a sense, uh, <sighs> still can't figure out church-state separation because no one is saying you can't, like bring together your faith or whatever drives your motivations, your beliefs and public policy. That's not the comp complaint anyone has. It's forcing a religion into the public square or excluding other perspectives from the public square. Like he's deliberate. I, I feel like William Barr totally understands the difference, but of course he knows he's talking to people who refuse to understand the difference. Mm -hmm. And so he likes to muddy the waters by saying like, some people want nothing to do with religious people. Mm -hmm. They want no mention of religion in the public square, which again, that's a lie. Look at Joe Biden. 
no one has a problem with his faith because he's made it clear. I am not here running to be like the U.S. Pope or something. Mm -hmm. I'm running as a Catholic who is motivated by my faith to do the following things to help people. That's his pitch. There's nothing wrong with that. That's true for Congress people too. The problem is when someone says, my faith says abortion is wrong. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I'm going to pass policy that says exactly that and stop all of you heathens from a lot of like getting whatever you need. Um, he knows that. He's choosing not to say that. That, oh, that made me mad. It's um, all fucking terrible. Everything's the worst. Were there other stories? Yes. Um, we have time for other stories. Let's do one more, then we're done. Okay, you go. Um, Go for it. No, I just had some end cap things, so. Sure, let me bring up one last story here, which is, uh, in Germany, this is actually kind of a, I guess, good news, question mark? Like, the Archdiocese of Cologne, like the largest and richest archdiocese in Germany, they had just announced that over the next decade, they will go from having 500 churches in the archdiocese to 50. They're shrinking by 90%. Fucking and just wild. to be clear, just to be clear, those 50 churches would probably be much larger and encompass more people in their districts. Um, like instead of having 500 small churches, they're condensing like partly because they're going to have fewer people, but also because one church may be able to do a little more and they need it to do a little more, but mm -hmm. they're closing, they're closing 90% of these churches. Um, and the guy who oversees one of the churches is like, we can't act like we are still a people's church. Like it used to be right. those nostalgic days are over. So, I mean, all right, fine. Like, I saw that and it's like, that's good news. They're shrinking because they know they are dying off. It's not a cause for celebration in the Vatican. Let's put it that way. Right, right. Ugh, yeah. Okay. Um. So before we go, yeah. I have a few things I want to get through. Um, first and foremost, um, Brandon Taylor did not get justice. I'm... I'm furious and not surprised, but um, I hope everybody in Louisville is is staying safe. Um, if there's anything popping off over there. Um, second, uh, in the last week, I became aware of three people who I'm close to who are having mental health crises. So um, I just wanted to put out some resources in case anybody else is um, it, it needs help and is struggling. I think we are all struggling to some extent. And if you feel like you are not doing so great, there are resources for you out there, even if you can't afford them. Um, so I want to give you all um, SAMHSA, Sam says, National Helpline. It's 1-800-622-622 help. So 1-800-622-4357. That line is going to put you in touch with, um, with uh, people to help you with medications and things like that. Um, if you are in need of, of medical intervention, if you need somebody to talk to, there's plenty of resources for you there. The National Institute of Mental Health, NIMH, dot nih.gov and psychologytoday.com are both really good resources. Um, I know psychology today does like sliding scale uh, therapy appointments. There are resources out there for you um, because this is a really, really tough time for a lot of people. And there is uh, there get help if you need help 
that's there's nothing wrong with getting help. I, we all need it right now. So that's that. Um, and then last, because this was such a fucking garbage week, I wanted to maybe cap with some good things that has ha- have happened or that we can recommend. Hemant, I have my little list, so I'm going to give you about three minutes to come up with literally anything you can recommend to our listeners to make them feel better, okay? I'll give you one. I'm working on a good news story. It's not ready yet. I hope I can announce it by next week. Okay, that wasn't as tangible as I hoped it would be, no, but it's cool, not. thanks. But it will be. I'm excited about it, and you know I get excited about nothing. Yes, you, that is true. This must be a big story. I guess. Okay. So I last night, I just finished a book called The Sundown Motel by Simone St. James. It's like a spooky, scary book about a haunted motel. I loved it. Mikey and I also watched I'm Thinking of Ending Things, which is a new uh, Charlie Kaufman. Am I thinking the right person? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it is truly wild. It is weird it is not upset it's just fucking bananas crazy i loved every moment of it it is absolutely not for everybody but i like literally only want to talk about it for the rest of my life that's another thing um my husband is reading a book called do what you want it is um by and about the band bad religion um who if you're not in on them i think the band name really kind of gives you everything you need also Finally, upcoming, um, the podcast I do with my husband is called Cooper Duper. We are like full on in the dregs of the second season of Twin Peaks, which are notoriously pretty bad. Um, so what we are doing to make it more fun for us and for our listeners is we're bringing on some um, special guests, which I'm very excited about. Uh, so this Sunday, we're recording an episode with Ross Blotcher. Um, I also have some other prominent podcasters that I haven't gotten locked down, but I'm very, very excited about. And we're also going to talk to like some friends of ours. They're going to be very fun. It's going to be lighthearted and silly and dumb. And um, it's fun to record and I hope it's fun to listen to. So if you want to hear Ross Blotcher of Ona Ross and Carrie, um, a wonderful guy and a rather famous skeptic man, um, you should listen to that. If you want to hear us talk about, a woman who wears an eye patch and thinks she's 18 and has super strength. Um, this is going to be the place for you. <laughs> so have, do you have any like TV or books or media there, you recommend? Sure. Look at this. Okay. There are new albums out this week by Fleet Foxes and Sufjan Stevens. So the white part of me is very excited. This week. I did see Sufjan Stevens had a new album out. Is he finally going to complete his 50-state masterpiece, or is he just going to... No, and he doesn't like that you are asking him about that. And (laughs) the publisher would like you to stop asking him about that as well. Listen, he threw his hat over the wall. It's not our fault he couldn't come through with us. But listen... Hey, come out of 50, not a bad run. (laughs) Come on, Field Illinois is very good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Where do we find you? Uh, You can find me on Twitter. Um, I'm at Blueberry, B-L-U-E-B-U-R-I-E. Um, you can, I mentioned the Cooper Duper, the podcast I do with my husband. I also have an Etsy shop. Um, it's bitches get stitched done, which <laughs> apparently has become a, a mode for several people to reach out for me, like listeners from the podcast. Like, uh, I just know you're here. So I just wanted to check in. It was very sweet and very, very kind of the several people who, who like checked in on me. It was, yeah. Um, so 
Oh yeah. So if you want to cross some cross stitch, I'm working on that. I'm very busy with it right now. So if you need something quickly, I would not necessarily recommend myself for that particular job. But if you're looking for something for, for the holidays or something like that, you can always find me there. Hammett, where can we find you? Ivatfriendlyatheist.com. Please new subscribe to my Substack, friendlyatheist.substack.com. Uh, Patreon.com slash friendlyatheistpodcast for us. And I'm at Hemant Meta on Twitter. Okay. I was going to try to find a thing, but I just updated my phone. So now I don't know how the podcast app works anymore. <laughs> I can't find uh, our show. We will, we will have two reviews for you next week then. Uh, we might not because we haven't been. Oh, yeah. Okay. I got one. My right, pay, three exclamation points from Dog Mom two sixteen. Got it, Dog Mom. Um, my absolute favorite podcast. Wish there was a new episode daily. LOL. Dog Mom two sixteen. We have lives. <laughs> I would love to do that. If you want us to do a daily podcast, go to patreon.com slash friendly podcast. Give us all of the money, and absolutely, I'll do one of these every day. I have that much time and charisma. <laughs> no problem. Um. Okay. Anything else? I'm good. We'll see you all next week. All right. Have a good one. Bye.